Blog Talk Radio. everyone. Welcome in to Loretta McNary Live Presents, and we have an incredible show for you today. We are waiting on our guests to call in, and that will happen momentarily. But before they call in, I thought I'd give you some information. Um, I know I put a lot of stuff out on social media, but their story is truly, truly an incredible story to me. I have never, ever heard um, anything so wonderful that started out so tragic, Um with this story, because it was, you know, love lost in a way. It was infidelity. It was betrayal. It was so many things. And there's a video on their website that you can check out that will, it's them giving their testimony. And it is so amazing. And they're on the phone now. So, everybody, welcome to Loretta McNary Live. Bob and Audrey Meisner. Hi there. Hello. Thank you so much for having us on the show today. We are so excited to be part of this. I love I love your audience and I love what you do. I love your passion. <laughs> you are so wonderful. <laughs> I watched the video again last night before um I I stopped working and I'm just telling you some of the things that video alone will preach. People can just use that on Sundays and it will tell you everything because and I, I was taking notes, and I said, you know what, I want it to be fresh. I want our conversation to be so yes. fresh that I didn't right. take a lot of notes. But some things were said that just, oh, my goodness, they helped me. And I'm currently, you know, I'm not married, I'm not in a relationship, but it taught me so much how to, you know, just be transparent the whole time and be honest and to walk away from those right. things like you say, you know, those oh. little things, you think it's okay, and then they start becoming mm-hmm. big things because they aren't okay. So um, just, I know. just yeah. start how you want to start. Well, I guess, I guess I just want to give a little bit of background just so people understand that anyone is capable of anything. I think that's where my passion for protecting people from the kind of pain that we've been through because um, I grew up in not only just a Christian home, but I'm talking like a real, like we've got a relationship with God in our home. We love Jesus. We This is real. We're not just performers. You know, we love God. And I got met my husband in Bible school. We were in ministry our entire lives, you know, <laughs> and, um, and uh, totally, you know, fell in love, wanted to, you know, do things right. We started having kids young and um, so we, we had three kids by the time we were 25 or 26 and we were working in ministry. And um, I remember way back when, when a guy had been speaking in our church, and he was an old guy from England, and he had these long fingers. He would just stop in the middle of his sermon and just started pointing at everybody. And it's kind of like one of those moments where you shudder in your seat and go, oh, my gosh, don't look at me. Mm-hmm. And he said these <laughs> words, beware of the barrenness of busyness. And I would describe our lives after 17 years as being 
so extremely busy and full of activity doing really good Christian-type things. And we, But yet what happened was we were barren in knowing where our hearts really were at and the struggle that emptiness and the feeling of just being so worn out and exhausted, you know. So here we are living the perfect, picture-perfect Christian life that everyone can see. We're the, we're the happy couple with the three little kids. We, we pastor a church. We're in TV ministry. We're public. We're the ones that everyone wants to be like, you know, as far as have this kind of marriage. And, and um, <laughs> I was blindsided, like totally blindsided of what happened to me because a guy started coming, a young guy started coming to our church, and he started paying attention to me. And I'll tell you, he told me what I needed to hear. He said things like he noticed how hard I was working, and that felt so good. I went, oh, my gosh, somebody's finally noticing, you know, all the little things I do and how hard I work from morning till night. And he's noticing that, and he appreciates that. And it just made me smile and feel good. And then he started telling me how beautiful I was and that he wishes he could find a girl to marry that was, you know, like me and, and all this. And it was just it just made me feel after, you know, 17 years of marriage and working really hard and trying to do all the right things for Jesus all the time, it just it spoke to my exhaustion and my weariness, I think. And so I yeah. just thought, oh, I'm so glad I can – you know how we are – I think as girls we are exhausted, seriously. And so <laughs> I would – I just enjoyed the attention, and I thought, I'm so glad I can be friends with this guy because I would never do anything inappropriate. You know, I've never touched Mm -hmm. another man's hand in 17 years. I mean, I am never going to do that. I'm not even capable of it. And so so what I did was um, I said, I have control of this. I have full control, um, and I started justifying things little by little. Oh, I can go for lunch with him alone, or I can send him an email that I wouldn't want anyone else to see. Or, you know, and I call that... Um, You know, I thought they were small compromises, but I Mm -hmm. found out that there is no such thing as a small compromise. You see, a compromise is a compromise. And and I remember getting ready for church one day, and I put on my makeup, and I was thinking, I sure hope he notices how good I look today. And that's when I feel like I, in my head, because it all starts in your head, Mm -hmm. you know that. That's when I crossed the line, when I was hoping, hoping, hoping he would notice me and how pretty I was. And I started to get consumed with that. And that's when I started um, thinking, I can control this. I I don't need God. And that has got to be the most dangerous place to be. And thinking, I don't need God in this because I have full control. I, I won't go too far. I I would never do anything too bad. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it was just a short trip before that emotional relationship became sexual. A much shorter trip than I thought it would be, and so here I am in a in a sexual affair, holding a secret. And um, as soon as it became sexual, I just thought, "This is crazy. This is nuts. I've got to end this right now." And I did. I told him to leave the city, and within two days, I um, just knew that I knew in my heart that I could not keep the secret from Bob, even though I wanted to keep the secret. I was scared out of my mind. I knew that if I told, if I didn't tell Bob, that secret would drive a, a, a wedge into the intimacy that we had, and, and our life would eventually, you know, be over together. And so, I'll tell you, I was scared out of my mind when I sat in, in, in an office and I hugged Bob's feet and I told him that I had committed the sin of adultery. It was very, very scary. I know. It's not where anyone wants to be, I'll tell you that much. But, you know, unfortunately, just because the nature of where we are at in our society and even in our culture as a church, this is happening all the time, and that's why I want to be so vocal about it. To protect those girls that that that, that are thinking about going in this direction or have a tingle, we call it the tingles for somebody, you know, and they can't mm-hmm. wait to get to worship practice because the guitar player or, you know, it happens. Like, it <laughs> there are things going on in our minds All that we're not every day, about. every day. Yes, yeah. you know every what I'm saying. Day. And so, and so, let's just love each other enough to get it out in the open. And not just pretend that everything's all perfect and say, you know what, if if that is the case, then instead of behavior modification and think and just tell yourself, got to stop it, got to stop, got to stop, got to stop having the tingles. Well, I'm telling you, in life, tingles happen. So what we have to go is much deeper into our hearts and say, where is there a need 
that there is something in me that's not being met and get honest with that need and find our source and say, God, I'm exhausted, I'm tired, I'm lonely, I'm this, I'm that, I'm, I feel ugly, I need someone to tell me I'm beautiful, I need someone to appreciate me, or whatever it is is the need that's in our heart, and just get super mm-hmm. honest with that and say, God, I, I need you to feel this. Please give me creative ways. Get, like, you know, just get courageous with facing our own needs of our heart so that we can, you know, when we are full, we can give to others. But when we try and That's give true. to others, when we try and give to others and we're not full, eventually we will be so deprived and so craving that we will do something right. desperate. Do something desperate, and that's what I did. Right, because we're giving out of emptiness. Oh, my goodness, that just came to my spirit. We, when we do that, we are giving out of emptiness. And, you know, if you can't give out of emptiness, there's just no way. Oh, my goodness. Exactly. Okay, so you, you answer that. the question. Mm-hmm. Okay. You answered a question of mine that I, I had, and I wasn't sure if I was going to ask you or not, but you answered it. Okay. My question is, okay. I'm sure I'm going to ask because it's so, it's so deep and personal, but, I mean, your story is out there. Yeah. But I still You was, know what? I'm, I still I am know so, I'm, I'm so okay with that. What's that? Okay. My, I mean, not – okay, this question that I had was, how how are you able to continually every day live something that – hurt you so bad and you wish you could just make go away. And I guess when you said, I want, I want to make sure nobody else has to go through what I went through, that answered exactly. that question for me. Oh, that you was know what? huge. And, yeah, and then, of course, um, if you want, I'm just going to go ahead and tell some more of the story, and then you'll understand as well why yeah, it's has to be yeah. public. Because I don't believe that everyone has to do what I do. I really don't. Because sometimes we need to protect our families, and it's not always. Every situation is unique. But um, what happened is, um, after I told Bob about the adultery, the affair, I mean, the extreme betrayal of his infidelity hit like a bulldozer. I mean, our lives crashed. The pain that entered into our relationship that was so foreign to us that we had never felt before is all of a sudden all-consuming. I see this almost hatred in my husband's eyes towards me that I'd never seen. And I, I was so scared of him, and he was so confused as to what to do. And and um, he would say that he he didn't know. he You know, here we were Christian leaders. This is interesting. Here we are. We're leaders. We're pastors. We're the people everyone looks up to. And you know what? We did not know what to do. We didn't know who to tell. We, did, we didn't know what the next step was. We had no idea what to do. And um, I'll tell you, there is always the right the, the same answer to that question every time what do you do when you don't know what to do and it's simply this ask god i believe that god in every single moment has a rescue plan for every person every marriage every family and and it might not look like we want it to look and it might not be according to our plan for how god could fix this but he mm-hmm. Well, as soon as we humble ourselves, I'm thinking of that um, verse, and I forget, I think it's in Chronicles where, or could be Isaiah, where it says, if my people will humble themselves and pray and just turn yeah. from their wicked ways, then they'll really hear from ways. heaven, I will, mm-hmm. and I will heal your land, I will heal your family, I'll heal your situation. But will you trust me that I have to, it's going to be tough, and you're going to have to face stuff. And that's what we did, and it was so hard. I'm not saying it was easy, but I'm saying, oh, God, <laughs> I'm, I'm including him in this. Because we were both so broken and um, mm-hmm. so broken and in so much pain. We were no good for each other because I couldn't understand the extent of Bob's pain and he had no way to know my pain. Like, we couldn't get each other. We were but we were like two people drowning in a lake. Two people drowning are not good for each other, you know? We right. needed yeah. someone else to come in. We needed someone to come in and, and throw us that life lifesaver and so um we called the bob called the pastor someone i wouldn't have even thought of calling but he prayed and the holy spirit led him to this to this book this guy that we were just was just an acquaintance his name was leo and bob called him and he was in we were in canada at the time and leo was in phoenix arizona and he called him and 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 the first thing that leo said to bob was who knows about this and bob said absolutely nobody like just you and he goes okay good first thing let's keep it that way and uh, Bob was like, Bob was Bob was flabbergasted because 
he he knows we're public, and he's thinking, no, 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 we gotta we gotta deal with this. Like we gotta get a committee together. We gotta we gotta see what to what to do with Audrey. You know, she sinned. You know, that's our first response. <laughs> and see what that is is it we want to shame and punish the other person and bring exposure to what they did because they hurt us so bad that we got to get people to gather around us to prove. That it wasn't my fault. Like Bob says, I'm the innocent one. Like this should never have happened, you know. And it's true. Yeah. But 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 you see, he shut that down in a second, and he said, "Okay, don't tell anybody," you know. And, and I'm thinking of uh, he actually quoted Psalm, um, Psalm, uh, Proverbs 25 too, where it says, "It's God's glory to conceal a matter, and for a king to discover its understanding." And so we're not hiding, we're not doing a cover up. But God loves to cover. And the principle of covering, and when someone's hurt us, you know, I'm thinking of the people listening, our listeners right now, where, you know, our husbands have watched porn, our husbands have betrayed us, or we have done things, and we just want to tell everybody so that we can get protection and we can get help. But, see, God says covering, like, as a daddy to us, as God our, our father, he says, like, when is the last time God, when I messed up or you messed up, and we, we went to God and said, oh, my gosh, I'll never do that. When's the last time he says, oh, okay, one, two, three strikes, you're out. Like, I'm going to parade you in front of the whole church, and I'm going to tell everyone that thing that you did. <laughs> God would never, never do that. It's not his heart. His heart is to cover. And covering um, does two things. And I think if you can start to use the illustration, if you've got a, a slash in your arm or something, you would in mm-hmm. a second immediately cover it with your hand, wouldn't you? Yes. And the and the reason you do that is because you want to stop the bleeding and you want to protect it. And then the second thing is you take your hand off and you search it and you clean it and all that, and then you cover it again so you can promote the healing. And that is the principle in relationships where when we've been hurt, we need to instantly just say, okay, God, I need your, your supernatural ability to cover this so that we can protect this situation, so you can promote your healing in this, because that's your heart in relationships. And so, um, so yeah, so he told us this all on the first day, if you can believe it. We're in these massive <laughs> amounts of pain. We're in massive pain. We can hardly be in the same room with each other. I'm scared, and he's mad. You know what I'm saying? And, mm-hmm. and then the last thing Bob, Bob said was, well, what do I do tonight? Like, what am I supposed to do tonight? Do I get a hotel? Do I go to her mom and dad's house and sleep on the couch? And and Leo just um, very point blank said, um, Bob, you are going to get right back into that bed because we are we are not going to spend one night apart. You are not going to mm. participate with a spirit of divorce. Wow. Oh, wow. my gosh. This man did not miss words. Like, <laughs> he didn't bring sympathy. He brought truth, you know, because yeah. sympathy, sympathy we, we, I tend to want to bring sympathy, but sympathy never healed anybody. But if we bring truth to, to like, when you're in a 911 situation and you get, you're in an emergency room, you've got to deal with stuff before you start just saying, oh, it'll be okay. No, you've got to deal with it. And the truth of God is so powerful that he can, you know, bring truth to a situation so we can quickly get, stop the bleeding, stop, you know, so then we can deal with what's going on, you know, after that. <laughs> so do you want me to okay, keep talking? So I so and do this. I know. I want to kind of slow it down so that everybody can digest it because I've read and I have researched you ever since I heard the story. And you guys have been on, you know, so many shows and, sh- and talk shows, and you have your own show, too, Good Day, and so many magazines. And so I've been reading so much stuff, and I'm telling you, the things that, that are coming out of you all, I don't, I know for sure, had you not experienced what you experienced, of course we wouldn't have this conversation. The drop of wisdom and downloads and covering that you've experienced personally to help other people who will need it would not have happened. So there's so many things that I, when the spirit of divorce, I had never heard of that before, but it made all the sense in the world when I heard you all say it in your video. There is a spirit of divorce. Wow. Yeah. I know, right? If if it's a spirit, then you have the power. Oh, my goodness. You have the power to not have to be divorced. (sighs) 
Well, you know what? so deep and so profound for me. <laughs> yeah, oh, it is. And we need to spread it. Like, you know, there's so much pain out there. And we think that we have the answer to pain. It's just a separator. Just, but anyone who's been divorced that's listening right now knows divorce is so painful. You know, like, and it, it, it often affects children and, and everything else. And I'm, this is no condemnation for those who've been divorced. But the people that, that listen to our story say, oh, I wish our story would have ended that way. But it, it does take two people. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. so, there's a person that's so stubborn and so selfish that they're just not willing to go there. But I'm just saying, don't blame the other person. Just do what you can do. We're only we are, we're empowered to do what we can do with our own free choice and for our will. And we can choose to humble ourselves and involve God and say we need you. And I wanted to have the best response to my marriage situation. I don't want to be selfish. I want to say, God, I'm willing. I you know for whatever. Because we don't want to stay married and not like each other. You know, we want everything. Right. We want, right? Like, some people might as yeah. well be divorced. You know what I mean? Because they're just so miserable. But in the name of Jesus, they're staying together, you know? And it's like, no. <laughs> that, that's not good enough. That's not what marriage was meant to be. Oh, my goodness. It's so <sighs> many questions, so many comments that I wanted to make. And with you, you're so transparent. And even with Bob, and he was saying, I, I wanted them to, you know, to, to I want her to hurt. I wanted people to know what she did oh to me. I'm the God. innocent one. I'm the victim. And I could feel that if I were innocent, I would feel that way, too. It's like you're loving on her. Yeah. Like, she didn't do anything wrong. Because we do. You know, our, our feelings want the yeah. other person to suffer and to the hurt like we're hurting, not knowing that shame, oh, my goodness, shame and guilt hurts more oh. than any physical pain sometimes. Not everyone gets that, but if you've experienced it, you understand, you know. And so um, I'm just going to go ahead and just get some of the rest of the story out here so people have an understanding mm-hmm. what happened next because, believe me, the plot thickens, if you know what I mean. So what happened was is um, – we got through that first night. We we actually got on a plane to Arizona, and this this guy started just helping us. We knew we were going to be okay, and um, we we weren't happy by any means, but we were survive. We were barely surviving. Okay, someone threw us the life thing, the life, and we were hanging on for dear life. But we were going to stay married. We were going to be. We were going to make it. We were very you know committed to this, and so two weeks after that, we were back in our home city of Winnipeg, Canada. And um, I missed my period, and I thought, oh, my gosh, this could never be. Like, that cannot happen. And we took a few pregnancy tests, and the fear started rising up to us. Bob and I jumped in the car, went to a walking clinic, ended up in a doctor's office of someone we didn't know, and he said, your pregnancy test is positive. And Bob mm-hmm. had had a vasectomy, so we knew exactly what this meant. It meant that as a result of the affair, I had become pregnant, and the guy was biracial, and we're both kind of very blonde, you know, and white. Mm -hmm. And um, we knew that's when my world crashed down to the point that's indescribable because now, you know, here I am, this Jesus girl, all I wanted in my life was to love as many people as I could in this world before heaven. And now everyone's going to know the most stupid and selfish thing I had ever done. And now, you know, my kids are going to be messed up. My precious, precious kids that are now 10, 12, and 15 years old, you know, they're going to have to know what their mom did. And, and I'm going to be disqualified from ministry. And, and, and even my generations, my grandkids, my, that's what my great-great-grandma did. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, it hit me all at once with such despair that I really didn't feel like I, I had any hope for my life. I didn't know I could I didn't think I could face my life. And in that desperation, a couple of days later, I was alone in my kitchen and I made a phone call to an abortion clinic because I understand desperation. Desperate people do shocking things. So I called the abortion clinic and they said, Hey, that is such early detection that we can just send you 10 pills in the mail. And within mm. 10 weeks, you take one pill a week, and within one and 10 weeks, your whole problem will be gone. And mm. I fell to my knees, and I thought, isn't that interesting that that's how we want to think? And so I fell to my knees. I said, Jesus, I know that abortion isn't the answer here, 
but I am so scared. Fear has overcome me. And I'm telling you today, I understand any one of our listeners right now that has had that abortion. I understand that it doesn't have to do with what you believe in. You might not believe in abortion, but if you've had one, it's because you were so scared. You didn't know how to face it. I'm not saying it was right, but I'm saying I get it. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. understand what it means when you cannot, you literally cannot face your life if you have this baby. And and I and I fell to my knees. I said, God, I'm not going to have that abortion. But, God, if you love me, I am begging you to take this from me. Ooh. Please. I just begged him for a miscarriage. I said, God, you can take this from me. And I think back now and I kind of get choked up because I realize that when we hit a, a place in life where we literally can't live, that's when we tell God the best way to answer our prayers, don't we? Like, can mm-hmm. we get a plan? Like, do it this way, this way, this way, God, and then everything will be okay. Like, God, please, please, you know, do it this way. And God, and I can tell you today, because God loved me, he didn't answer that prayer. Because, you see, I want to be evacuated out of my circumstances. But my daddy's love, he says, Audrey, I'm not going to take you out, but I'm going to walk with you every moment of every day of every month and we are going to go through. And because, Audrey, when you go through, you come out this other side very different from when you started. In fact, because you're facing this trial right now, it actually has a potential to launch you forward. Because, you see, God has perspective and advantage points that he sees things that are so unlimited that we can't see. We get very limited when we're in fear. We get paralyzed. But he says, I am the creative God. I'm the redeemer God. And I can redeem absolutely anything where there's a hopeless, impossible, there's no happy ending kind of a story. He says, watch and see what I can do. Will you involve me and will you trust me as your father to walk you through? And, you know, he he says he's our shepherd. And, yea, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we need to fear no evil, for he's with us, mm-hmm. and his rod and his staff, they comfort us. And that's, you know, I think back in my pregnancy, and he was with me every moment, and I was so broken. I was so full of pain and private pain that very few people knew what I was going through. But crying at night into my pillow, and, and our relationship was so strained and And, you know, Bob, you know, he would call it interrogated me, like wanted to know details of what I had done. And when he would ask me questions, I feel like my worth and my value was being just completely ripped from inside of me because I would have to say out loud the the terrible things that I had done. And the regret and the shame just overcame me as I I tried to face what will life look like when this baby's born and it doesn't look like us. And everyone's going to know what I did. <sighs> Heavy. Like you said, it, it, it all became a trust issue. Are you going to trust God enough to get you through? That was that was so profound again to me because when you decided not to, to go through with the abortion, you had to say, you know, Lord, I have to trust you because I cannot <sighs> do this. I cannot take control and do it my way. But if I don't, then that means I totally have to, you know, walk without even seeing the next step. I have to go forward without even knowing what's going to happen. And that's true trust. That's where he wants us to be, where when we don't know what's going to happen, but we say, Lord, you know, I trust you because your plan is always better than mine. Even though I'm trying to help you, I'm trying to fix it, and, you know, I have my own way. If you would just do this, this will all be okay. Yes, yes, yes. Exactly, you totally get me. I can tell you. I can tell you totally get me. I and I'm just going to refer from this story for just a second. Now that you, you're yeah. such an inspiration, you're getting me wanting to talk about other stuff. But I remember just recently, I was you know in my secret place with the Lord. You know that place where you just are. It's you and Him, and you know the beauty of mm-hmm. who He is. And I was just so consumed mm-hmm. with Him, and I so grateful. And I said, Jesus, I'm so grateful that You've taken me through such incredible stuff, but mostly just who you are. I just love you so much. And I remember thinking, um, what if it was your birthday, what could I give you? You know that feeling like, God, you've given me so much. And like, yeah, if it was what can really, I give really, you? Really, like, 
what can mm-hmm. I give you? Like, I want to give you the biggest present in the world. And I, in my heart, I saw this picture of a huge present, a huge bow on it, and it had one word written across it, and it was that word, trust. And he says mm-hmm. to me, girl, if you give me that, if you <laughs> give me that present, like the whole thing, you don't even yeah, know that's what all I, I need. can do. Yeah. You don't yeah. even know what I can do if you will just <laughs> give that to me. And so that is, I, I, I'm hearing what you're saying. It's true. It was about trust. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we keep, and we keep yeah. using them because every day there's new things to trust them with, isn't there? Exactly. Every day, like you say, you know, the brand new grace, brand new mercies, because we need yeah. that. We need every that so day. that we can continue to trust it. So he doesn't ask for blind trust. He gives us little things, little anchors, little um, hand bars along the way, little crutches to help because oh. so he, he knows mm-hmm. how frail our faith is and our heart is sometimes because we see the circumstances and we stop seeing the promise. So he oh, knows yes. that if you stop looking at that promise and you looking at circumstances, he's like, my darling daughters, they're not going to make it. So let me do this for them. That's how much I love them. Yes. And don't I'm you love it when he gives you those little signs? Oh, yes. Oh, and the little <laughs> song that comes on the radio, the song that comes on the yes. radio, that's exactly what you needed. And, and you're like, oh, Jesus, you totally know me. Like, you know, this is so personal. <laughs> this is so personal. It is. And so, uh, I experienced so that a lot. Yeah. Oh, I just, that's my favorite part of life. It really is. And so um, here I was, um, I'm just going to go backtrack to just when I first found out I was pregnant um, because something significant happened when I, you know, when I, because only my mom and dad and Bob knew about the baby. And um, I was in a lot of pain, but I had to be okay on the outside because my kid, I mean, nobody knew. I had to still go to work. I had to do ministry. I had to my, be with my kids. And, and, and here I was with this baby inside of me, not knowing what was going to happen with my life. And um, my dad was just randomly going out to Home Depot for an errand. And I jumped in the car with him and I said, Dad, can I come with you? And he said, sure. So we get to the parking lot of Home Depot and finally I broke down because I could, because, you know, I was safe with my dad. And I just started crying, and I just started crying and weeping. And I said, Dad, I just can't. I just can't. I can't do this. And he stayed with me in the car, and he said one sentence that changed. This was just my God moment. He he just put his hand on, on me, on my shoulder, and said, Audrey, that's what you did, but it is not who you are. Wow. When he said that, it was like Straight from my heavenly father. It was that God moment. It was that God moment where I said, like it literally answered, had to answer every question because that was, even though other people will always judge you by your bad stuff and, and you'll judge yourself probably, anything, it like, but God says, you are my daughter. You are a daughter of the king. You are my child. I am going to protect you. That might have been something you did. It was a mistake you made, but I know who you are. You are my precious one. You are my beloved one. That's how, that's all the, all the people listening right now, that is our Father's heart for us. We are so precious to him. And even our sin can't separate us. Nakedness, nothing can separate us from the love of our God. Nothing can separate us. And uh, that one sentence actually... <laughs> kept me alive for that pregnancy because every time I wanted to be done with my life, I remember saying, no, I'm going to remember that that's what I did, but it's not who I am. Ooh, that's beautiful. That is so beautiful. And um, I want to take these little exits through your story because I'd like to slow it down because it's a lot for first time here is to really to get – because usually I know the people that are going to listen because of the way I promoted it are people who, you know, their heart has been broken, it has been bent, it has, you know, just been stopped sometimes and the breath can't take the next breath. So they need to know, and this is another thing that I love about your story. It explains everything because I was trying to figure out, God has unconditional love, and I was trying to figure out what separates his love from the love that I have for my son because I try to understand this unconditional love. And you guys yes. said something about God's extravagant love. Yeah, that was that was oh, a question don't you for love me. That? Yes, oh. his love it's is extravagant. So never ending. It's so yeah. extravagant, never ending, yeah. never failing. 
Oh, it's so worth yeah. celebrating. Oh, and it's so real for every <laughs> single person. No one is exempt. No one. Yeah. No, no one, and no matter what you that. do. Now, it does no. disappoint him when we mess up, but he's not of going course. to not love you. He is the only one. He he's the only pain. one who will, yeah, yeah. You know, the reason that's disappoints like, wow. is because he's going, girl, I don't want you to have to go through the pain. Like, sin is always pain. That's why he's like, yeah. don't do it, don't do it. It's going to be mm-hmm. consequences. It's going to hurt you. It's going to hurt others. And, you know, he, you know, he's not because he's trying to tell us, no, 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 rules, rules, rules. He's trying to say, I love you, therefore I'm going to lead you in the best way, you know, that, mm-hmm. not as, like, I don't mm-hmm. want my, like, we don't want our kids to go through pain either. We're like, please make good choices. Cause <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like we try to shield them from pain and mistakes yeah. and, you know, making the wrong yeah. decision. But at some point, we got to we gotta trust that God's going to handle it. And because yes. of extravagant yes. love, and we have to learn how to love them through those mistakes they make and those bad turns. Um, the mm-hmm. same way. So he is definitely yes. a great example of how to parent our own children. Yes. Okay. We have a call. Good reminder uh, on that one. to get some more your your story in. So we'll have to remember where we left off uh, with the story. Yeah, I will remember. I'll remember. Listening. Okay, great. If they're mm-hmm. just listening or they wanted to um, make a comment, we're going to go to Aerie Toad, 843302. Hi, Carla. Welcome in to Loretta McNary Live. Did you have a question or comment? Um, I was just enjoying the show. Um, I'm, her story is amazing, and I'm just really learning a lot by listening to you guys today. So I thank you for bringing this um, information to us, Miss McNary. Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to put you back on hold so you can enjoy the rest. It gets better. It gets deeper and deeper, but it gets better and better. So hold on, okay? And thanks for listening. Okay. Okay, Audrey. Yes. Okay, go. Let's mm-hmm. let's continue. But I also want to let you know the scripture that I want them to understand. You, you talked about if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. That's Second Chronicles seven fourteen. Okay. And I've been hearing oh, that good. so much, so I want to go back to that if we have time. But right now, I want yes. you to um, talk about the place where you are when you find that you're pregnant and your dad just told you, Audrey, that's yes. what you did, not who you are. Right, and that's. When we had to make some life decisions, because you know what happens, you're about to, you know, the baby's going to start showing, and we um, we actually uh, quitted the church and our jobs and everything. We sold our house um, and just told the kids, we're picking up and moving to Arizona. And they said, no one knew, you know, why. they do. We just said, this is what we're doing. And the kids were like, awesome, this is a fun adventure. So we moved from Canada to the state to Arizona, and um, Bob's dad lived there, and Leo lived there, and... We, it was our city of refuge, and so we moved there, and um, I, we kind of got a little bit, God did miracles. People are just going to have to get our book to really get the amazing details of, of what God can do. But uh, I'll, for time's sake, I'm just going to jump ahead because um, mm-hmm. when we got to a, a safe enough place where, we, where the kids were in a good place, I was already four and a half months pregnant, and you know, my pre- I have two boys and a girl at this point, and my little girl started saying, "Wow, mommy, you know, do you want to go on a diet with me?" Like she started to think, "What's going on with my mom?" You know, <laughs> you know how little girls are; they're so cute. And yes. she's thirteen, and she's thirteen, and I and I then we knew like we can't go much longer, but we were waiting until we could get as healed as possible before we told our kids. Because we didn't want to tell them from a place of pain. We wanted, you know, how they found out was very, very important to us. And we were very scared about how we were going to do this because we wanted to protect them as much as we could. And so we prayed so much before this one particular evening. But um, we told the kids after dinner we're going to have a family meeting. And we went up to our bedroom and the kids walked in and Bob and I were actually sitting on the floor in our bedroom. And we were... We were weeping. We were crying. And so the kids got this scared look on their face, like, what is going on? They've never seen their mom and dad like this. And they, they had this fear on their in their eyes, and they sat down. And, and Bob just saw their faces, and he um, just had this – he just went to the, the bed, and he grabbed the blanket, and he just covered me there beside him. From head to toe, he covered me completely up and then wrapped his arms around me. And he said, kids, I want you to see a picture. This is what God does when we mess up. He comes to us and he covers us with his love and he holds us. 
And he says things like, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. And then he says, kids, your mom has made a big mistake. And as a result of that, she's going to be having, you're going to have a baby brother. And my, our oldest son is um, 15 at the time, Christopher. And he just starts crying because he realized, he figures out quickly, okay, that's what must have happened. And then my daughter, she starts crying, 13, and then she, she cuts this huge smile on her face. And she goes, Daddy, we're going to have a baby. You know, she just can't contain her excitement. And then she sees his pain and says, okay, okay, I'm sorry. Like, yeah, we're going to have a baby. But she goes, but we're going to have a baby. And then our little David, who's 10, just completely confused, says, I don't get it. I have no idea. And he says, I'm not going to be the youngest anymore. So, you know, in that moment, we, you know, even though they were protected from the real pain of who we are and we were able to, Bob, in his amazing love as a dad, was able to bring security to the kids in a moment where, so there was no room for the kids to be scared. He says, listen, this is what we're going to do. We're a family. We're going to be together and we're going to have this baby. So he gave them gifts. He actually had gifts, Bob did, for all the kids to give their baby brother when he came. And that began the next part of our journey. And, you know, I, I hope that people will, you know, get the book or, or watch watch our DVD or something just so they can hear Bob. And, and he speaks a lot to men, you know, and the challenge that he mm-hmm. had to love. Mm-hmm. His, his greatest fear was, will I be able to love this baby? Or will he be a constant reminder of, of the betrayal? Because the baby's innocent. We knew that. But the betrayal mm-hmm. is so real. The betrayal is so real, and he will say, "I know what it, it feels like—the little, little, little baby, to, little, little kid to come up your leg and say, Daddy, Daddy.'" And he would feel like saying, "But I'm not your daddy." And he had to get through the, his um, limited love that he had. And, and what's interesting in this, and Bob, Bob would tell you this, is it wasn't trying to muster up more love or trying hard to forgive. It was. The, the the principle is receiving. He had to open his heart to receive God the Father on a whole new depth and level in order to give that to this baby and give that to me. And I think so many times we try hard to do the right thing when God just says, I want to give you all this. And you just please receive this because I have more than enough love for you so that you can pour that out to others, you know. And so um, I remember, you, you know, we didn't know what, to, Bob didn't know what, I said, Will can do anything with this baby. I I was so wanting any, I would have done anything at this point to get Bob's love back. And I said, honey, we can, you, we can adopt the baby out, we can do anything. I would do anything. I just want you to love me again. I remember saying, just please love me, please forgive me. You know, I, I lay down my life, I'll do anything but I can't turn back time. If I could, I would never have done what I did. And um, I was so broken during that pregnancy. But one other story that I seldom share is that, you know, in my deepest pain when when I was feeling so alone, I um, stopped journaling. Uh, journaling is a really big deal for me because I, it's my outlet of really expressing my heart to God. And as soon mm-hmm. as um, the, as soon as Bob, I told Bob about the affair, he actually went back and read my journals, and um, it was a very, very tough thing for me because I felt that my privacy had been invaded, and I was so upset that he read my journals because he even saw, you know, more of my struggle within the affair and all mm-hmm. that. And um, so I, at, at that moment, in my biggest pain I'd ever been in, I actually stopped journaling, you know, because I, I just felt so like it wasn't safe to journal, so I didn't. And so those first five months of pregnancy, I didn't even journal. I just was all this internal pain that was going on inside of me. And um, after about five months, and I was going to bed one night, and I remember, because before bed, Bob would often ask me the hard questions, like, why did you do this and all that? And I remember going to bed saying, Jesus, Jesus, I'm in so much pain. What do I do? And I said, and when, Jesus, am I going to start journaling again? Because I miss that time with you. I miss that personal time when I completely unfiltered and and will give you my heart 
in my time of journaling, when will I ever journal again? And and I went to sleep, and then the next morning I said goodbye to Bob and the kids. They went off to work and to school. And I was walking back to my house the next morning, and there was a bag, a beautiful little bag on my doorknob. And there was a girl that I had just met who didn't know me, didn't know what I was going through at all. And the Lord had told her to buy a precious, a beautiful journal with a, the words, the Lord is my shepherd. And she purchased that and put it on my doorknob. And I didn't know who it was from, but I went to my door, and it was a beautiful, fresh journal. And Jesus was just one of those gifts and kisses from Jesus saying, it's time you can trust me, you can start journaling again, because I want to walk you through. And I remember going to the table with that journal all by myself in the house, pregnant, and I said, Jesus, there's something i got to ask you. And I wrote it down, and I said, you know, for those first three pregnancies, I was so sick that I was almost hospitalized. I just, the nausea that I would feel through my pregnancy was almost unbearable. I said, but Jesus, Mm. for some reason, I'm five months pregnant, and I haven't even felt anything with this baby, like no nausea, no nothing. And Jesus answered it, and he said, Audrey, sorry, he says, Audrey, I have been carrying this baby for you. Oh. You haven't even even felt the effects in your body because you can't do this alone, and I'm carrying this baby for you. And I remember feeling so loved that day. And I just continued to ask him to heal my broken heart, you know, and get me through this. Yeah, so we got... We got through the the pregnancy, and um, and uh, and I remember um, Bob said to uh, Leo, you know, because he was struggling because there was a few Christian leaders that, in you know, well known, very respected people that were phoning Bob and saying, you know, we found out what you're going through, and you you know don't force yourself to keep this baby. It's it's wonderful that you stayed with Audrey. You know, but don't put this on yourself to raise this baby. You know, we have people that will adopt this baby. And, and you know, so Bob was getting mixed messages about what to do. Yeah. And uh, so he went So he went to Leo. You know, I was about seven months pregnant at this point. And he says, Leo, what do I do? And Leo just said, you know what, Bob, there's a baby on your doorstep. What do you do? Will you mm. contribute to this fatherless generation? Or will you be a father to the fatherless? And Bob at that point, just on a new level, received God's father's love and said, no, I will be that father to the fatherless. So that moment, you know, it was a month later when our our, our baby was born. And Bob it tells the story like this. He says, when my son was born, when our son was born, I gave him my name, Robert, because I never want him to wonder one day in his life mm-hmm. who boy he is. This, this is my son. Wow. And I start crying because I'm just so full of worship to God and such gratefulness to my husband that not only did he fight through the obstacles of receiving me back, you know, kind of like Hosea received, you know, in the book of Hosea, we talk about how he received yeah, Gomer, this adulterous yeah. woman over mm-hmm. and over again. And it, and it was a picture of how Jesus is and how, how God is. And it's a foreshadow of no matter what we do to betray him, he he takes us back. And not only did Bob take me back, but he gave our little son his name and his middle name, is Theodore, which means divine gift. Mm-hmm. And Bob says that he, Bob will proclaim from the housetops that this baby is not an accident or a mistake or the result of a sexual affair. Our baby, our son, is a gift from God given to us just like the other kids. And um, that, was, that was when a, tr- a page turned in the chapter of this story because it seemed like after this little guy was born, he came with just a bundle of love and grace, and we were able to just, the kids embraced him. And I, it was the first night we got home from the hospital. 
here we have this teeny tiny little baby, and we're we put him in the we're eating dinner, and we just put him on the table like a centerpiece, you know. We all just <laughs> ate dinner and stared at him, and we we're like, okay, this is now the beginning of a holy life and the beginning of an adventure. This little brown baby, you know, and um, yeah. it, it has been ever since. And you know, I'm sitting here right now, this moment in Phoenix, Arizona. Half an hour ago, we just, Bob and I are in the car right now as we're talking to you, and we just dropped him off for his last day of fifth grade. And he's so <laughs> excited to go to school, and he's going to have his party mm-hmm. today. And he got 100% on his states and capitals test, and he's so excited. And he's, he's, our little, he's our little joy in a bundle. You know, he's so much yes. fun. And, and our other kids are are are. So so in love with him and our son that is tw- our oldest is 26 now and he he actually just we just came back from a ministry trip last night and he came all the way from New York just to look after Robert while we were gone and we just dropped him off at the airport last night <laughs> and our kids and, and our son is the one our oldest one that said you know what I have learned through this is that the grace of God is so real and it played out right in front of me and he said, mm. I know, my Dad, that if I mess up, I don't run away from home. I run right to home. I know that in my home there is grace, that there is mercy. And I think, you know, we all need to have homes where it's easy for our kids to come, to make it easy for them to come home. Where we mm-hmm. don't, it's not that we try and cover up sin or try and make, you know, you know and I'm not saying that we don't raise our kids with, with boundaries and all that, but I'm saying, listen, God covers us and loves us, and it's his kindness that leads us to repentance, not him beating us up so that we'll behave. But he invites us to this life of love where we're so amazed by his righteousness and his goodness and such worship and thankfulness to him, but that we can't help but stay away from sin because we don't even want to. Mm-hmm. Like, why yeah. would we even want that kind of pain? You know, so we, I think sometimes we get so sin-conscious Instead of just Jesus conscious, like I just want to be consumed with him. And then the other part just takes care of itself, you know. Right, but it's still, you know, what the enemy meant for harm. It just shows how God turned that situation around. Oh. Because your story is going <laughs> to heal so many people all yes. over this world. It could fit into, the, if, if there were to be another Bible written, your story would be in that Bible. Oh, you're so show, No, serious, because... That it shows how lives. God loves you. Yeah, how, yes. how he loves yes. you and how he trusted you. And he couldn't trust anybody else for this story to happen through than oh, you and Bob because you. he knew that you guys would turn to him and not away from him. And he also thank knew you. that so many couples, people all over this world, need to know of redemption, that marriages can yes. be restored, that even, yes. you know, say, well, what's the worst thing that can happen to a marriage? Well, if somebody cheats, that's what usually what people say. Yes. But this shows you that yes. that does not have to be the end because we're human. We're weak. It's going to happen. Yes. You know, yeah. and you would know, believe you like, trust me to get happy we are now? I have to yeah. say this. Our relationship is on a whole new level because there's so much raw honesty between us. Like, Bob and I now have no secrets. So our relationship, I mean, I could go for another three shows and talk about the (laughs) journeys of, of, you know, the layers of stuff that we went through. But we dealt with stuff in those first 17 years of marriage that we thought was just, it was like a big cover-up. We were just living this life where we were making sure we didn't fight and all that, but we weren't even being honest with each other. Now we are like, you are even no no <laughs> really honest. Like, like, you you really didn't have to tell me that, honey. That was okay. <laughs> we are free everything. together. We are free. Yeah. We're free. We're, we're not scared of each other. So we say stuff and we go, okay, we're on this best friend adventure together now. Like, we're not going to let any secrets come in between us, you know? And we have yeah. fun together. I want to give such a vision for fun and laughter and happiness. So we didn't only just survive this. We, like, have experienced God's love, and it has transformed our relationship. Yeah, and no other way could yeah. you have experienced it at this level. And it just tells us, you know, in Corinthians 13, you know, I talk about love is patient, is kind, and, and you guys have lived this, so you know this to be true, and that love really does cover all. And I like some of the advice that Leo yeah. gave and, that, you know, you shared, and he, Leo said, what is done is done. 
what I need to know, and he's talking to Bob, if you're going to be Christ-like enough to pull this family <laughs> together. It's because the man is the head of the household, so it should always, always fall on his head. He should be man enough yeah. to be able to handle the good and the bad, and Bob truly yeah. passed that test of saying, he did. I am the head of this oh, household. Oh, I love my husband so much. Yeah, depending on how he responded, was gonna um, was gonna be change the whole trajectory of how this story ends. Had Bob responded in another way, if he had yes. just turned away from all this godly hard, hard hard yes. advice, was that you right. take on it as you're supposed to cover her? She's your wife, you know. Oh my goodness, I just love your story. I'm telling you, it has shown me God <laughs> in, in a whole new way. In a whole new way. Oh, oh I'm so <laughs> thankful we got to meet each other and be friends. We're totally we're going to dance oh, together. We maybe we'll dance together on Earth. Maybe. Maybe we'll get to dance together on Earth. That would be fun. But we'll definitely we, dance together. You heaven. know what? There, this was no happenstance because God sent you to me. I can't all yeah. read the Bob and oh, somebody's email. It was an email that has that you were going to be on the James and Betty Robinson show or something like that, I think. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Read, I just recorded that yeah. a couple days ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's how I found you. It was in my email. Okay. I don't normally read all of that because I get tons of yeah. emails. Just oh, exactly. But it was something about that story that just struck my heart and my soul. And the more I read, oh, the more God was revealed you. to me in a way that nobody had ever revealed him. You know, oh, so, and, thank you. Well, his yeah, character yeah. and his nature is just so incredible. I think at every facet of who he is, we just get to learn more every day. It's just, I just mm-hmm. love him, and I can tell you love him like I love him. I just love him. <laughs> yeah, because I've, I've had my, I call it my Jacob. I'm just saying, you um, have you know, My son died. <laughs> yeah, I have a son who died from natural oh. causes from a seizure, and I had to get to know oh. God in a way. Otherwise, I would not have survived it. I would never okay. have survived it. I did yeah. not so know that's why that. I get it. That yeah. explains you. Yes, because I can tell you yeah. get me. I was like, she understands yeah. <laughs> something. I She's get when broken. you just feel shame and guilt and you just yes. want to give up because things, you know, the, yeah. the hurt, what could hurt you the most totally blew the wind out of you, and yet you survived yes. it. So now you can tell of God's yeah. goodness and his sovereignty yes. and his forgiveness. See, forgiveness is the yeah. thing. You have yes. to forgive yourself. Bob had to forgive oh, you. Yeah. Bob had to forgive himself, and wow, and God forgave you, and then he turned this whole thing around, and that's what he wants all of us to see. There's no sin that can separate him from us. No. You know, he just nope. gets it. Now, there are oh. consequences. I'm not, like, condoning you people to go out there and let your flesh no. rule. There are consequences no. to those decisions, but when you it's when he pulls you through something like this, right all you want to do is, Please him. All you want to do is yeah. please him. Oh. So you get through it. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? And I just want to say if anyone wants the full story, you can buy the ebook or the full book on our website, bobandaudrey.com, and, um, and watch the story there or whatever they want to do. But when you were talking about forgiving yourself, I just wrote a women's book called Like Yourself and Love Your Life. And that mm-hmm. really talks about the girl. It is a girl book, if you know what I mean. Like it is unfiltered. Yes. But talking about how we need to to be in agreement with how God made us and really celebrate everything about how he made us very, very uniquely because every girl out there, I want them to love, love, love themselves the way God loves them, you know? So, yeah, I just am so passionate for your Right, because temptation can only become temptation if you act on it. And if you, exactly. you act on it because there is a lack, you're empty, there's a space in your life that's not being filled, and we know we're supposed to fill it with God. But when you're going through stuff, you don't want to hear all of that. All you know is there's a need I know. and there's a void. <laughs> you're empty. Uh-huh. You're tired. Everybody's yep. pulling on you. Nobody's giving yep. in to you. They don't even acknowledge yes. you're, you. You wash the dishes, you know, and you need I that. Know. We Pepper. need it sometimes. <laughs> you know? I know. <laughs> oh, my gosh, sweetie. I can hang out with you all day. You are so <laughs> I want to so just, I live next thankful. door to you. So I want to live next door so we can put on our robes and drink coffee together and just talk about you Jesus. know and go out here and just tell the good story to help people to exactly. get it. Exactly, that's my yes. job through my TV show yes. and my radio show is to help people uh, get it. 
quit making excuses. If you can get out there in the world and talk about your skin right. and your intimacy and your husband yeah. and he and how he tells the story and relive that pain day after day and God has covered it so now it's not pain, you understand it's a testimony. And that's what we yeah. have to do because people are hurting, and, and especially people yeah. like, you know, that's what I tell people. I've been knowing Jesus. I thought he was like my cousin or my uncle because that's all my – I knew him when I was born. I come from a right. Christian home, and yet right. I'm a single mom with five boys. So oh, you can't tell me that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I understand it, and I want people to understand. Girl. Yeah, the God, he covers all of that. He just wants us yeah. to keep living and to keep breathing and to keep yes. talking and sharing so we can help yes. somebody else. It's not about and us. It wasn't about you. And yeah, you would have been fine if it had never happened. Yeah. But yeah. God wants us to share this pain and so he gets yes. the glory and that we can help win souls. That's what it's all about. <laughs> it wasn't so about good. you and Bob. It was not no. about you guys. But I'm just glad Jesus you went story. through it. Yeah, and yeah. Said it. Exactly. It's a Jesus yeah. story. You're so awesome. It's, okay. <laughs> I love I'm you. I'm glad we have this time. You'll have to come to Memphis, and we'll have to do this on TV, and I'll have to come to Phoenix, oh. and we'll just okay. tell the story. All of it. You know? I love that. <laughs> I can't wait for that. We're just. This is the beginning of a beautiful relationship. <laughs> I sincerely believe that. <laughs> Yeah. Well, thank you, Audrey Meisner, so much. In your book, Marriage Undercover, i got to get a copy of it in your newest book because knowledge is power, and if we share yes. it, it's even more powerful. So yes. thank you so much. And for thank um, you for everything you do and for having me on the show. What an honor to be with you. Thank <laughs> you so much. And as always, thank all my listeners, those who will tell people to listen. Archives are available 24-7. As always, think positive, dream big dreams, help someone along the way. And we'll see you very soon. Goodbye.